what path are we on? What's the vision? What's driving this train? A lot of times they lose sight of that. Yeah, and the, and the facts would be if you kind of exit, interview most people coming out of a meeting, <laughs> everyone, you have 10 people, they got 10 different uh, ideas of what was really just agreed yeah. upon. <laughs> this is the Leadership Communication Show, a podcast to help people like you be the inspiring and influential leaders their people need. I'm Michael Paperno, and I'm a communication expert, teacher, and coach. My personal mission is to help good leaders be great leaders through the power of communication. I promise you'll learn something from each guest on this show that will help you along your personal leadership journey. Okay, on with the show. Today's conversation is with my friend, David Esposito. Welcome to the show, David. Michael, thanks. Glad to be here. David is president and CEO of O&L Therapeutics, a company that's developing therapeutics to preserve sight and halt vision loss associated with retinal disease. I've known David for about 10 years now, and I wanted to have him on the show because I'm fascinated with his impeccable and authentic leadership communication style. He's one of the strongest, most purpose-driven leaders I've ever known, and I'm excited that he was willing to come on the show and share some of his secrets with you all today. David, let's help my listeners get to know you a bit. Combat veteran to big pharma executive to more recently building and scaling several life sciences companies. Go ahead and take a few moments to tell everyone how it started for you, what your journey's been like, and how it's going now. All right, Michael, uh, thanks again for having me. It's just a treat to be talking to you on on topics that are important like this around leadership. And uh, well, to start off maybe way back when, uh, I'm a Jersey kid by birth. You mentioned my uh, military background. I did go to school at West Point and served in the uh, active duty in the Army in the 101st Airborne Division uh, for a while. And then when I chose to, to get off of active duty uh, and begin a, a civilian career, I started off with Merck and Company as a sales rep. Um, and was that in New Jersey? Because I forgot uh, we're both from Jersey yeah, <laughs> originally. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky when I left active duty in the Army okay. and I started out with Merck as a sales rep in Louisiana. Right. Uh, so it was an interesting journey for me. And, uh, you know, I've started out in Jersey over the course of 25, 30 years. We've canvassed most of the country in a couple different moves. So mm. I. I spent 15 years with Merck, um, pretty traditional sales, marketing, commercial roles that uh, moved me and my family around the country to various uh, either sales positions or back to headquarters in Pennsylvania, New Jersey on several rotations. And then reached a point after about 15, 16 years within my journey with Merck that just felt like, um, you know, I was looking to grow in new areas of healthcare. And so I made a pretty big pivot to leave what was a you know it was a great company in Merck and a great set of experiences, but uh, moved to join a privately funded diagnostics business in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, many of your listeners may know from a healthcare standpoint, the Upjohn Pharma Company originated in Kalamazoo, and then mm-hmm. through a series of mergers and acquisitions from pharmacy and then Pfizer, there was a, a privately held diagnostics business that was spin out of pharmacy and diagnostics, and so I moved from what was a big pharma business into a specialty diagnostics business. Um, I led the U.S. business for that for several years and uh, exited that business as successful acquisition uh, to Thermo Fisher Scientific. And then that began perhaps over the last 10 years in my career of moving into much more 
early stage of life sciences. And so I uh, had a chance to uh, fund and, and build and resource a couple early stage diagnostics companies, one our immune bioscience, which was blood-based testing for uh, ca prostate cancer, lung mm -hmm. and breast cancer. Uh, ultimately, we uh, scaled that business and then sold that to Exact Sciences. And then also, um, most recently, as you said, um, I'm now the CEO of ONL Therapeutics. We're excited. We're, we've got a vision to help patients see the future on across a number of retinal diseases and uh, really exciting and you know, through that journey, Michael, there's been, as you and I have been together for a number of years through those, there's been, you know, a few good moments where companies and technologies got well-funded and succeeded. And then also a few where they don't turn out, you know, when you get into the early stage of life sciences, not all of them turn out well. We've had a few that either went into control wind down mode or even uh, pretty abrupt bankruptcies. And that's just part of the rough and tumble world when you leave a, you know, a big stable company like a Merck I did, you know, a number of years ago. Was that decision to leave, uh, you know, the big pharma kind of a, a, the most pivotal part of your career or what would you say was? No, it's good. I think probably two big uh, changes in my career. One, my decision to leave active duty in the Army. That was certainly mm. a very, you know, big decision for me. And then I think uh, in a very similar uh, vein after 15, 16 years with what is a great premier company Merck to decide to leave and, you know, venture into more of the mid stage and early stage of healthcare was certainly a big decision. So I, and it's, it's hard to say one more than the other, but I think in my, in my more mature adult years, I think the decision to, to leave Merck after 15 years was certainly a big one. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what would, what if, I mean, you've made these transitions um, in your career, you know, from, from active duty to, uh, pharma and then leaving a large company for, you know, this early stage life sciences world, which is really quite different. You know, what as a leader and as someone I know you're a mentor to many folks, I mean, what advice do you have for people in those life sciences careers that that are feeling stuck? Like, you know, is is big pharma still for me or, um, you know, am I cut out for the world of the, you know, of the startup, or maybe the other way around, you know, maybe you've been in that startup world, and it's time, you know, to, to, to work for the for those larger, more stable companies, what what would be your advice to someone who's feeling that pull? Uh, Michael, no, it's a great question. It's one of those where, boy, a, a cup of coffee and a long conversation, we cover <laughs> a lot of ground, uh, or a beer in the evening, whatever it may be. But I'll try to summarize maybe a few things. I, I think, uh, in terms of those, um, decisions. One is it. I think it's, we all reach a point and, and hopefully, you know, these are competitive marketplaces in, in life sciences that your hunger for learning and growth, whether it's uh, professional growth in a, a particular discipline, or perhaps uh, just being engaged with uh, the, the more innovative side of life sciences. Um, I think those kind of decisions are are really important with regards to how you see your co career progressing and certainly there's learning and growth in remaining with the big companies because teams get bigger budgets get bigger the complexity of our marketplace gets bigger but it, it also may be you know an appealing and what was for me a source of growth of getting closer to the early stage and in innovation and figuring mm -hmm. out how that kind of innovation gets funded and built and scaled teams is, is very exciting. So I think, 
you know, a big part of my journey was around just the desire to learn and grow uh, in some new areas. Um, but I can tell you the second part of your question, which again could be a subject for a, for a long discussion is after, you know, uh, being a part of 10 plus years in the early to mid stage life sciences, it's, it's not all what you read about in the success magazines sure. that, hey, everything worked out and it went great. You know, you start to realize um, the support and structure that you had in a big company uh, is, is very helpful when you hit kind of maybe product delays or product mm. mishaps or technology doesn't come together or financing doesn't come together. Um, you start to yearn perhaps for a little bit more of that stability um, and perhaps, you know, a big company may, may be more appealing to you. I, I would say, Michael, the, the point that you said around, I, uh, I think people do at various points in their career may question, do they have the skills to move to, whether it's a new job in a big company or, or for me, the skills to move to a more smaller, you know, early stage type company. I, I think the big companies in the U.S. and life sciences uh, provide tremendous foundation for training and leadership. So right. the folks out there in your audience who are in those you know, big mid-tier, uh, upper-tier companies should feel really confident in the development of their skills from a leadership standpoint, mm -hmm. an operational standpoint, a commercial standpoint. So uh, having been through those journeys, I think the these folks would have the skills to make the leap. I think where it gets to is uh, finding the right opportunity, the right team, and there'll always be the others on the outside that may say, hey, you were a big company guy or gal for a while. Can you can you sit around the table with two or three people and actually build a business? I would say mm. most certainly can, but it's it's a different, slightly different skill set certainly than what was built in the big companies. Would you say they have to have that entrepreneurial bug or do you think as long as they feel like they can tolerate that smaller environment, maybe getting their hands a little more dirty, maybe dealing with a little bit more uncertainty is, is enough? Yeah, I, th I think um, to go in eyes wide open uh, is real important on those things. I mean, I, I think, you know, the entrepreneurial bent uh, or whatever that may be, you know, I, I think that uh, for me is really a, a hunger to learn and grow and to actually create, you know, mm. and uh, that product creation, whether it's in life sciences or, you know, my journey bit written a few books before. I mean, that 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 aspect of product creation, um, I think, is the piece along with the drive to learn and grow that I think if people are equipped with that and are in their stomach or are yearning to be on more of the innovative, creative side, um, I, I think uh, most of the, certainly in my kind of interactions with folks, people will have the skills to do. It's that kind of passion on the creation side and the wanting to build something, I think, is what's really important. Yeah, that resonates with me a lot, David, because I know that I'm, you know, I'm someone who I can sit, people call me an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. uh, but the entrepreneur in the, in that, when I think of that, it's like, oh, you know, someone who starts business and starts businesses, builds themselves, um, um, you know, it's all about the, the building of the business and the profits and all of that. Um, that is, I mean, yeah, that's, there's part of me that understands all that, but my entrepreneurial spirit comes from my desire to help other people. So mm -hmm. if I can identify something that I think is going to really help a specific population, I'm very comfortable starting a business to do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not your typical 
entrepreneur. So it's interesting that you, because you, when you were describing how you view the entrepreneurial spirit, I saw a lot of that same in that. And and in life sciences, I mean, you you really are changing the world, <laughs> you know, and you're bringing therapies to people whether a lot of times, especially in the early stage and startup world, and a lot of times there's nothing else there for them. So that must be pretty exciting and fulfilling. I, I think so, Michael. You touched on something where um, you you know identify a need and then you create a business around it or create a product around it. I, I think um, that is a piece of the energizing dimension of coming into this earlier mid-stage life sciences and what you touched on right now, like our work at ONL Therapeutics. I mean, we we are venturing into diseases that have no therapeutic option right now. So mm -hmm. one condition, dry age-related macular degeneration, geographic atrophy. There are a few products uh, in phase two and three clinical trials right now, but in the US, there's no approved products for those patients. And so, mm -hmm. you know, to, to be able to, I'm not a clinician, but certainly our, our founder, David Zacks is a clinician. And, you know, when you understand the patient journeys and the, the challenge of a physician saying there's nothing more I have to offer you right now. And people are on either a slow or a fast path to blindness uh, that try to, the ability to change that is uh, super exciting. And, you know, that's what keeps me and the team energized through the ups and downs, which inevitably, you know, there's, there's never a straight line on this right. one. <laughs> there's a huge zigzag and a bunch of valleys that you got to plow through uh, to get to the other side. But it's, what you described earlier is what it really is. It's about uh, identifying a real need and putting a shoulder to try to fill it. And having the right leadership to make it happen. Because I know, you know, when I used to go to certain conferences where um, there's an organization, BioNJ in, in New Jersey, and they run a biopartnering conference where people are able to go present you know, that they've got a therapy and they're looking for investors and funding. And when I would go to that, it was like one after the other. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Wow, that's cool technology. Wow, the world really needs that. But then walking out knowing that most of them will never see the light of day. Yeah. And it was kind of that realization was a little sad. Yeah. But no, I think it's, it's the reality, right? Michael, it very is. I mean, you know, you, you read most about in the press, the, the big wins or the billion dollar exits or the IPOs. And it's, uh, you know, the reality is a lot of these technologies don't uh, get to market, don't survive the early stage struggles. And it could be about financing, but, but quite frankly, the uh, it's usually about the complexity. These are complex disease states people are tackling. And mm -hmm. I, I think it just uh, speaks to the to, to the challenges ahead. And, you know, and, and one thing for sure, it, it does, it does keep the, the early stage world keeps you humble, because um, sure. you having been now a decade plus in this world, you know, I could speak to a few companies that had great technologies, but for a variety of reasons didn't succeed. And then, you know, I've been a part of a, a couple of great teams that had some great exits and, uh, but it's, um, it's a, it's a challenge out there. And, but that's, you know, where this challenge is excitement and there's opportunity and all of that. And I think, um, you know, that, that's what fuels me for sure. One thing that you said a few minutes ago that I love that I just want to kind of go back to, because it spoke to me as someone else who's also pivoted in, in, in the career. And I think you're speaking to, you know, when you said this about how, if you're in life sciences and you're in a big farmer company, you know, 
you should probably feel pretty assured that you've gotten a lot of really great training. And when you said that, I was looking back in my mental history and were saying to myself, you know, I am really thankful that I had big company experience early in my career. And it wasn't in, in, in life sciences, it was actually in financial services. But, you know, I worked for some pretty big players back, uh, you know, BNY Mellon owned the company that I work for. And um, God, yeah, I got so much training and experience really fast, mm -hmm. especially with dealing with other people and wow. dealing with curveballs and things like that, that I don't think I would have gotten if I had started. I wouldn't have gotten that boot camp style training in a few years. Mm -hmm. that I think would have taken a lot longer if I had gone the other way, because I went from large to small. So certainly the, the skill sets of, uh, that are developed in the foundational, you know, I'm a commercial guy kind of by, you know, my upbringing. And so, you know, those pillars of sales, marketing, commercial strategy, I mean, the big companies do that very well. And so I think you get very well trained. I think one of the things that I've, mm -hmm. um, appreciated in my learning journey over the last 10 or 12 years and more of the early and mid stages, kind of a, 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 a few things that I don't think uh, is always fully appreciated in the big companies is that there, there's a lot of value in failures or we'll call them learning opportunities, however you want to describe it, you know, but you, you never get this stuff mm -hmm. right. You adjust, shift, keep going in the early stage. You just keep figuring it out. And you know, you're not always going to get there. There wasn't always in the, right. at least in, and I was, you know, I had having um, scaled some companies that got acquired by some big companies, you know, I've seen it now a few times over in that there's a, there's, there's mm -hmm. not a, a large appetite for failure uh, or learning painful lessons learned in some of the big companies, you know, the, the risks are too great. The, right. you know, the, the, the machine mm -hmm. is heading in a certain direction. And so there's not a lot of, uh, tolerance for you know those kind of shortcomings where i found just great value in those learnings and you know the the ability in and what you know has connected me to a lot of people in this journey is that you know most that have been through that you you realize there's people are quick to become vulnerable uh in these learnings because you realize you know it's it, it's the best way to learn and grow is to go through some of these ups and downs and that um I think it's a good leadership quality too on being quick to be vulnerable and in uh in willingness to try to create and take risks where you know that's not always fully appreciated in some of the big companies that have you know commitments they got to hit to and they don't want to veer off the path and that kind of bleeds down into people and leaders for sure yeah and that vulnerability word is so important in leadership and a lot of times folks you know, some of the folks that I that I coach, you know, they're like, well, you know, I mean, come on, how vulnerable do you want me to be? You know, and I'm not saying, right. you know, I'm not saying you got to put all your stuff out there, <laughs> but you just have to show that mm -hmm. you you're not, you don't have all the answers. You um, you want to be supported by good people. You want to put your trust in good people because you're going to be stronger yeah. together. But your people don't always see that if you don't show that appropriate level of vulnerability. Yeah, Michael, no, I agree with you. In that appropriate level or that balance, you know, that that's what makes these human interactions so much fun because uh, right. there's a bit of spectrum on that one, you know, but, uh, but there I, is. I mean, you, you don't want the kind of stiff, um, you know, don't expose yourself at all world, but you also, 
you know, again, don't necessarily want to see yourself filleted like a field dressed deer out there and just uh, with mm. everything. Cause it just, you got to provide a, a level of uh, sense of foundation and grounding and moving the team forward. But I, I think there are moments to share that vulnerability and in, in interactions with big teams, small teams, and one-on-one that certainly encourages us all to demonstrate a level of humanity because, uh, you know, you, you come to appreciate, um, you know, everybody's got their own journey and their own story to tell and a little bit of uh, openness um, and vulnerability can help others kind of draw out their story too, which to the point you made makes for a stronger team, a, a more diverse perspective mm-hmm. and, Right. all that no that's the exciting part of it but there's no there's no clear cookbook on that one you know i think that's the nice human dimension we all live with sometimes it gets messy sometimes we get it right <laughs> right right but it is so important in keeping people happy especially when um you know a little plug for your book here which i'm holding up my audience uh, my uh, listeners oh, can't wonderful. see it but uh, you know you can see it you know you're looking back what I learned when I left a great company, your sub tag is lessons in leadership to help senior executives win the war for top talent. And there is a war for top talent going on. And it's probably now with coming out of, of this COVID pandemic and and there being so many opportunities. I mean, I hear people saying, I have recruiter friends calling me and saying, I have too many jobs and I don't have good people to fill them. Who do you know? Wow. Yeah. So if that's that's going to be if that's going to be our our new normal for a little at least a little while, boy, it's going to be even harder to keep your top people. But why did you write this book, David, about that? What was your what was what were you what was, what was your main who were you trying to help there? Yeah, no, great great question. So I, I think you know what I found myself in uh, this journey now, almost thirty years in life sciences that. Um, there, there are a lot of other people like me on a similar path where they have, you know, put their heart and soul into a particular company and, you know, reached a point where you had some good experiences and uh, a productive, fruitful career. But there was something, some dimension or new level you wanted to get to in terms of learning and growth. And I, you know, made a pretty big pivot uh, in, in terms of, you know, leaving a, a great company in the middle of a career and a a good pathway to venture into this early and mid-stage world. And as I've now been, you know, 10, 12 years post that decision, I run into a lot of people of my, you know, group or, or similar with a lot of these big companies who have a similar experience, you know, some have stayed, some have left. And Mm -hmm. I I felt like I learned so much in that decision Mm -hmm. and the, the years since that, that I, I felt there were valuable lessons to really package up and and put it out there for folks. And so I, uh, just like we talk on occasion, I have a a number of phone calls with people who just randomly uh, ping me on LinkedIn or or have known from the past. Say, hey, just um, I'm kind of journeying through some soul searching in my career. Uh, Saw yours and would love to hear your story, maybe share some thoughts. And so that. That was kind of the backdrop on the book. I think I also have um, written a few other books too. It's a bit therapeutic mm-hmm. for yourself to get your own you get your own story yes. out there. You know, it just helps you helps soften the rough edges, I guess, and uh, you know, and, on all those kind of things. But uh, it was an enjoying experience as much as uh, writing a book can be a bit painful. It was enjoyable for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And as therapeutic as it is, it's also very generous when you're when when folks like you are, are willing to do that and share that those experiences so openly because oh, they really do help. They really do help others. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about your other writings when we come back from a quick break. So everybody, uh, we're going to stop for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. If you're a senior leader in healthcare who's thinking about making the transition to the early and mid-stage life sciences world, the Comvia Group's Write the Next Chapter of Your Career Program is for you. Learn more and get access to a free preview at www.wearecomvia.com slash next chapter. That's www.wearecomvia.com slash next chapter. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking today with my friend David Esposito, who's president and CEO of ONL Therapeutics. And we're talking about a lot of topics, everything from his journey in life sciences to leadership roles, uh, leadership communication, um, all the way down to helping the life sciences community win the war on top talent. So we've covered a lot, David, but I want to take a moment to talk about, I've known you, like I said in the beginning, for over 10 years, and I've never really talked to you much about your military days. Um, what, I'm sure they were very formative for you as far as th the rest of your career. And as a matter of fact, you mentioned that that was one very big decision that you had to make to make the transition away from the military. What lessons in leadership um, from your days in the military, do you think have helped you most in the business world? Yeah, no, that's a good question. <laughs> like I shared earlier, that's probably worthy of, of, of a pot of coffee in the morning right. or, <laughs> or a, you know, a whole, whole host of a kind of evening beverage to talk about. So I, but I think, uh, you know, and I've thought a lot about it, that over, as you said, it was a very formative, ex uh, uh, formative experience for me and how I really kind of Defiant life defining experience for me. And uh, I think, you know, a couple of things just in highlight again, uh, not to go too long winded on it, but I think the first thing is really around clarity of intent. You know, there's an operations order that I was trained to give as a young lieutenant. You know, one of those in there is commander's intent, you know, and that's really mm -hmm. to be understood of exactly clearly what is your unit or what is the the mission that you're trying to accomplish take the bridge you know take the hill that kind of clarity of intent i think is is a critical leadership principle you know for me today as i mentioned earlier yeah. with onl therapeutics you know we're you know uh really trying to help patients see the future that that rallying cry that everybody in the organization can understand uh, was a real important learning in the military around that clarity of intent of, of, of the mission that you're on. Uh, mm -hmm. So that, you know, come good times and bad times, people can still see that direction of where you need to help go to. I think uh, it's important. so important. And that's so, I mean, that's one of the things and all the things that I read, David, is what's critically missing in a lot of the leadership in the business world. You know, it's like everybody's here to do their part of the job, but nobody's really talking about what that What's the hole here? What 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 path are we on? What's the vision? What's driving this train? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times they lose sight of that. Sight of that. Yeah, and the, and the facts would be if you kind of exit interview, most people coming out of a meeting, <laughs> everyone you have ten people, they got ten different yeah. <laughs> uh, ideas of what was really just agreed upon. And I, I see it. In my you know I've you know we've got a you know relatively small team, but I you can see it even in my own team. It's it's just got to be a methodical pursuit of clarity. That, mm -hmm. that leaders need because 
you know, everybody's listening things with their own story going on in their head and all those kind of things. And yeah. why some consistency is really important. But I think clarity intent was a good, good learning for me. The, the second one that I, you know, I think is just um, uh, important for all walks of life is just that, you know, so I was an old, I was an infantryman. So, you know, follow me uh, is the kind of trademark of the infantry. And so that idea of setting the example for others to follow mm. is, is important. You know, a leader wouldn't be, asking of their team that they're not willing to do themselves or demonstrating their ability to do it. And so I think um, that's an important characteristic that I learned from the military, really setting the example for what you need the team to do is important. And, and as a life science executive now, I, you know, I'm uh, from a science standpoint, I don't have a PhD or an MD to kind of go toe to toe to science. I'm not a CPA from a finance standpoint, but I, I think so. There's only so much setting the example and discipline, those kind of disciplines that you can do. But in terms of work and alignment towards common goals and, and being mm -hmm. willing to put a shoulder to it and do the sacrificial hard work that's necessary. I think that's the kind of example that's, that's really needed. And so, uh, those were just, you know, I think two things that carry with me for a while and um, from the military. The, the only other thing is the old infantry <laughs> guy would describe is that you just, you know, at the end of the day, what I've really learned most is just got to keep moving forward. You know, no mm -hmm. matter how cold, tired, scared, hurt you are, you got to keep moving forward. And I, I, I say that to myself, you know, when I get out of bed in the morning, knowing that, hey, in the early stage life science world, it just never works out according to plan you've got to right. adjust the plan but but keep the ball moving forward in our case to to help patients see the future you know that 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 just consistent plotting forward um was, was kind of at the end of the day that kind of real learning of uh, of the army just keep moving forward yeah, oh, and that's such a great lesson because as you were saying that, I was thinking back to my experiences of my, you know, career changes and pivots, and none of them worked out the way I thought they were going to. Mm -hmm. And if I had let that stop me, I would have beat myself down. I mean, I wouldn't have. Yeah, gosh, such a critical lesson to learn. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah, I think so. And uh, well, maybe just kind of close the book on that. I mean, I think for for us and maybe, um, you know, generationally put a, you know, another, you know, couple of years out there that, uh, you know, that idea of just getting with a great company and kind of living and existing for 30 years and having a great, mm. great run. That's just not the reality of today's marketplace. You know, I mean, technology is no. changing. So if, I don't, you know, there are obviously just some premier companies out there to continue, but they all go through ups and downs too. And so I think right. for your listeners and certainly for me, and I know it of you, uh, that need to continue to learn, stay educated. Uh, mm -hmm. You've coached me in a number of venues. I mean, just the ability to have a coach like you to help support me and what it's been integral or essential to my growth as a leader to have a coach, to have, you know, advisors. And I, I think we, if we really want to stay on our game, we, we need to, engage in coaches, write the check, get in the programs, do the education on the side, because the idea of just maybe, and nobody's really sitting back anymore, but sitting back and having a nice 30-year career, that's it's not the reality for any of us today. Yeah, right. And, it, and, it, and, and that 
investment in yourself by making sure you're continuing to learn and continuing to grow is is so critical. I always say to people have said to me, oh, well, you know, you've started businesses and, you, you know, you're pretty self-confident and fearless. Well, truth is, I'm not I'm not fearless. <laughs> um, I'm not as self-confident as I feel. But I tell you, I am self-confident in the fact that I've never gone wrong by investing in myself. Perfect. Never. Great point. And that's something that that those are words that I live by every day. And when I'm sitting, when I am feeling a little bit deflated, de, 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 deflated, or or not as um, not where I think I should be, well, it's time to just invest more. Yeah. Because I've never made, I've never gone wrong by investing in myself. Uh, you know, I've gone wrong by investing in other people and waiting too long. <laughs> you know, for but but not myself, not myself. So it's funny. No, I'm I'm with you on that. You know, and I think. Um, you know, that oh, it's maybe just reflect back on the uh, big company versus kind of these earlier journeys. You know, a lot of times the big company has a good training plan for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but you may need something unique and different. And um, and then you got to take it upon yourself to venture out, hire a coach or get to a program or do those things. You just can't sit back and maybe have the training department feed you. You really got to be leaning forward and figuring out what's right for you. Even in the big companies, you certainly got to do the early stage ones for sure. Such an important point. I agree a hundred percent. Well, listen, before we wrap up, I want to, because we mentioned that you've done some writing, you've actually done a lot of writing and uh, I want my listeners to learn a little bit about, um, you know, some of the things that you've created personally to help, people. And, and I think, um, well, let me tell everybody what those things are. So, you know, you've written children's books, uh, you've developed conversation games, and um, all of them are really about helping. I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth and you can correct me afterward, but, you know, they're all based on leading with character and and doing the right things when you're faced with a decision. And when I look at all the materials you've created, um, you know, from the conversation games to, uh, to the books, it, it's funny I, because you're, you're actually training the next, <laughs> the next generation of leaders there. So, I mean, not only are you, you know, a, a proven and successful leader in, in, in your life sciences world and, and also in the military, but you're, you're giving back and making sure that next generation, well, doing your part to make sure that that next generation is ready to to lead yeah. and ready to do it with principle, you know, through principle-based decision making, which I think is great. So, what inspired you to start creating all of that material? No, great, great question, and I think you know, and part of it is kind of a lot of what was woven into our conversation here around, you know, how, you know. You, Part of that business harvest time partners uh, is what we've kind of collectively called the business that a lot of these products have come under is that, you know, the importance of uh, character and how, you know, what really guides your thoughts, decisions and actions most effectively is when we guide those thoughts, decisions and actions based on principles like compassion, like honesty, like perseverance. and. You know, those principles, you know, helped guide me through my, you know, journey at West Point in the Army, then ultimately in my career in life sciences and as a, you know, father and husband as well. And so we've tried to incorporate uh, resources, whether it's children's books that reinforce that or conversation games that 
you know, put people in certain situations for them to describe how they would, you know, think and then act through that. And that's, uh, that's what really came about. You know, they found there's a common thread amongst all of us, whether in the business world or home life or in the community that, you know, we need to have uh, more open conversations about the difficult situations we find ourselves in and also reinforce that, you know, principle-based decision-making, things like compassion and honesty and uh, teamwork uh, are really guiding principles that help bring about the most effective outcomes. You know, that adage, you reap what you sow, uh, is true. And I think that um, there in this day and age, sometimes not always a whole lot of truth you can hold on to, but I think uh, what, what keeps me going is the truth of things like if you're compassionate to others, you work well as a team, you know you're going to have to persevere through things. Those kind of principles, if you can use those to guide how you think, how you decide to do things and take action, you're probably going to end up with a better outcome. And so that's, um, you know, one of the, it's probably the foundational reason we create a lot of those resources. And uh, if folks are interested in um, in checking those out, they can go to, uh, you have a website they can go uh, to? Harvesttimepartners.com. It's all available there. Okay. And I know your books are available on Amazon. People can search for you by your name, right? They, As an author. should be able to. They may have to search hard, okay. Michael, but yeah, they, <laughs> they, can, they can search. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, if anybody wants to know where they can find him, you can always send me an email and I can give you the, I can point you in the right direction. So that's great. Well, listen, David, um, I really want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. I think that uh, hearing about your experiences and your leadership journey, um, it's going to be inspiring to to some of the folks listening. So thank you so much for sharing today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Michael. It was a true pleasure and uh, look forward to the next time we can do something like this. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. That's it for this episode of the Leadership Communication Show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think this show can help other people you know, please tell them about it too. To learn more about me and my work, head over to my websites at michaelpiperno.com and wearecomvia.com. While you're there, be sure to check out all of the leadership communication tips and tricks I share on my blogs. See you next time. The Leadership Communication Show is brought to you by the Comvia Group, your source for leadership communication and workplace relationships coaching and training. Visit wearecomvia, that's wearecomvia.com to learn more.